content warning for our listeners. This episode of Connecting Badgers discusses self-harm, suicide, and death. If you are in a crisis or have concerns about a loved one um, and need to talk to someone about mental health services, call us at 608-265-5600, option number nine. Thank you. Now here's the rest of our episode. Welcome to our Mental Health Services Connecting Badgers podcast. My name is Mary Eldridge. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I am a survivor services provider with Mental Health Services at UHS, and I am one of your hosts today. Hello, my name is Casey Tice, LPC. I use she, her, and hers pronouns, and I am an access specialist and care manager at UHS. Greetings, my name is Liz Westcott Barton. I also use she, her, and her pronouns. And I'm also an access specialist and care manager at University Health Services here. It's important to note that this podcast does not replace mental health treatment and should not be considered as such. If you are interested in learning more about seeking mental health treatment at UHS, you can webbook a confidential access appointment through the My UHS portal. There is no problem too small to schedule an access appointment. Access specialists are here to discuss your concerns and assist you in getting connected to mental health resources. If you have any questions about meeting with an access specialist, you can call the Mental Health Services front desk at 608-265-5600, option two, and we will answer any questions you may have before you get scheduled. Or if you would prefer to get connected with a provider outside of UHS, we can assist with this also. And as a reminder, you can always access 24-7 crisis resources if in a mental health emergency. These include the UHS crisis line 608-265-5600, option number nine. You can also call 911 in an emergency. So, as you may have remembered from last time, uh, we had ended our last episode talking about screen apnea and going through that exercise and taking those three deep breaths whenever in front of screens and just being more mindful of our breath in front of screens. I don't know if anyone had, I think Liz was only here last week, but if anyone else had tried that or tried to be more mindful in front of screens, how did that go for you? Ugh, I need it in my life all of the time because I am constantly on screens, two screens actually, which I go back and forth between looking at all day. And that's not including my phone, right? Which is another screen in my life. So screens. Or a TV. Have a, yes, yes. Or a TV. Sometimes it's like 14 screens at once. So I think just being mindful and taking a break from that is so important, especially right now. So we don't get, you know, fry eye as they call it. I get tired. So I appreciated that exercise a lot. What about you, Casey? Yeah, I'm doing my best. There's times I don't forget, but I'll be, you know, halfway during a call and I'll just remember like, oh, <laughs> you know, take that breath. Shoulders go, come back down. Feels much better. Yeah. Taking breaks is super duper important during this. So I really appreciated that exercise. And today I'm really grateful and looking forward to our conversation We have a dear friend and colleague of mine, Jamie Welch here. Jamie, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, sure. Uh, My name is Jamie Welch. Uh, I'm a psychologist and I am one of the LGBTQ focus providers at uh, MHS. Thank you so much, Jamie, for joining us today for our conversation. Um, As you know, October is Depression Awareness Month and I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about some warning signs of depression 
um, that would be really, really great just to kind of have a conversation about that. Sure. Um, so this, this might actually be more of a discussion amongst all of us about what um, we think the warning signs of depression might be. I will, I will say that I'm coming from a tradition of counseling that isn't so much focused on like a medical model of what depression might be. And so I don't think that there's necessarily one specific way that depression can look in any particular person. You know, when we think about like the diagnosis of depression, there are some symptom clusters that are typically associated with depression. But just because a person doesn't necessarily meet every single diagnostic criteria uh, or if there are like different things that are going on, depression can look really different in different people. Generally, when we're talking about depressive symptoms, those can look like things like um, feeling like you're really tired or having not a lot of energy despite um, getting enough sleep, uh, feeling persistently down, depressed, or hopeless, not having a lot of pleasure doing things that maybe once were enjoyable. Um, a lot of folks also endorse like a feeling of numbness, like not really feeling any sort of emotion at all. And also things like, you know, difficulty concentrating, uh, not necessarily just on things like schoolwork, but also even like, you know, when you're watching TV, you're trying to read for pleasure, not you know, realizing that, you know, you're not really paying attention as much as you'd want to. Uh, and of course, there's always like, if you are having feelings or thoughts of suicide, that would be a time that you would really want to make sure that you are reaching out more immediately. That'd be more of like a crisis situation. But each and every one of those different things is kind of something that I would associate with depression. But any one of those things, I wouldn't necessarily say is, but also depression looks different depending on who you are and what's what you're dealing with. And I really appreciate the nuance for that because it can look very differently for different people. And I think there's a lot of work, you know, in the medical community, in the therapy community that we need to do to kind of spread awareness about that because it isn't just one specific thing. This is it or this is not it. Right. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, I also appreciate you mentioning that because, um, uh, of course, as a survivor services provider, I see also like the comorbidity of, you know, like depression, anxiety with like PTSD um, and all of that. And and then that, you know, um, uh, the nuance, and I didn't want to use the same word, Liz, but sorry about <laughs> that. It's a great word. Yeah. <laughs> it is. So thank you. So, you know, um, um, it is um, uh, important to notice that too, right? That, you know, presentation may be like, different for everybody and it's also impacted by other things that the person may be experiencing it's not necessarily only like like hormonal genetic um uh, and all of that it can be other stressors that are you know just playing a role especially right now during still pandemic time right. I think that's one of the biggest things that I do, um, you know, hear from folks is that like, okay, well, yeah, maybe I might be persistently tired and maybe I'm, you know, not feeling very energetic, but, you know, that doesn't mean I'm depressed because, you know, I don't have all of these other things. It's like, well, there's a bunch of things that could be going on. Maybe, you know, 
you don't feel like you are depressed enough to get something because of how we have been socialized into believing, you know, that our value is based in productivity. There are a lot of ways that mental health is still very much stigmatized. And so even if there's just like one or two symptoms that a person is experiencing, that might still be a chance to like take a step back and reflect on what's going on in my life and how do I kind of address these things, whether it be persistent tiredness or that feeling of sadness or really anything. Absolutely. And I think now, especially, we're getting a lot of people reaching out who might not have had mental health concerns or things like that before because of impacts of of COVID and all of those things. If now we are more isolated from each other, that can really bring on, you know, symptoms of depression, too, certainly along with, you know, focus, concentration, attention, and and things like that. Um, I also get a lot of people, too, who will say, you know, gosh, I, I don't know where this came from. It just came out of the blue for me. I just, I can't point to any one thing in particular. And I think it's also important to note that there may not be, right? A set cause or a situation that has happened to set things off. Yeah. And, you know, there are a lot of folks that are also saying to me, well, you know, depression is never something that I've dealt with in the past before. So how could it be depression now? And it's like, well, it doesn't really work like that. It's not really based on that medical model where like, you know, a cold is caused by rhinovirus. Well, there's a lot of different things that be contributing to depression. And, you know, there's not necessarily one specific thing of say, okay, this is it. Depression could happen really at any time. And there's a bunch of different things that might be contributing to that. And I think one of the things that we have sort of touched on so far is, you know, things like uh, seasonal affective depression. So as we're going into these darker months, these colder months that the folks are spending a lot more time inside, there are some folks that are more sensitive to that and do tend to have those more depressive symptoms when they're going into those winter months. Uh, there are also folks that notice just based on a normal cycle that maybe they are feeling ups and downs throughout the course of a year. And those are also pretty normal things and pretty normal fluctuations and still things that we can do some stuff about to help folks generally feel a little bit better. Exactly. Well, and so say I do have uh, depression or um, maybe I have concerns, some of those signs, think it might be a good idea to talk to someone. What are some of those resources um, at UHS for students? Yeah. And so, you know, when people think about the resources that are available at UHS, I think most people go immediately to the thought of individual counseling. And while individual counseling can be something that can be used as a treatment for depression, it's not as necessarily always the going to be the best or first line that you're kind of be thinking of. I'm even thinking about things like SilverCloud and how there are modules on SilverCloud that are specifically targeted at symptoms of depression and helping folks feel better. There's our five workshops that sometimes focus on things that might be contributing to depression. Uh, we have our the workshops. We have uh, single sessions. And one of the things that I actually am going to really plug strongly here is group counseling. Uh, A lot of folks are really hesitant and resistant to the idea of being in a group because it can be vulnerable, it can be uncomfortable, and can be really difficult to share your experiences with a group of people that you don't necessarily know. And that's one of the things that can be so beneficial and helpful about group therapy. You can see that there are other folks that are having really similar experiences to you. And you can feel like that sense of, oh, other people are experiencing this too. It's not just me. And even just that sense of not being alone in these feelings can be really, really helpful. That idea of universality, the idea that other people are having similar experiences. Um, Yeah, so those are some things that I would consider to be, you know, even things that I would go for before individual counseling. 
Um, and that being said, we're also talking about the symptoms of depression that people are having and when we would encourage folks to reach out and, you know, what services are connected to. But I think that when we're talking about depression, we also want to be very open and talk openly about suicide, that if folks are having those thoughts of suicide, that's a that's a time to reach out sooner. Um, if there's an emergency situation where a person feels like their life or someone else's life is in danger, that would be a time to call 911. But there's also the UHS crisis line. Uh, for, you know, a non-emergency situation, um, which I think you have already kind of plugged in the show already. Yeah, and just again, it's at 608-265-5600, option number nine, phone number that's available 24-7. Um, another resource, too, that you mentioned, Jamie, when you were talking about kind of workshops, um, the one thing that's new this semester that's pretty cool for folks is the Let's Face It, which is the Foster Acceptance in Cope Effectively workshop. It's a two-session, I believe, workshop, and it's going on on Mondays from 11 to 12.30 p.m. or Thursdays from 11 to 12.30 p.m. And you can sign up online, and it's two sessions. I think that might be a really nice intro to folks, kind of like an introduction to like kind of how to cope with um, some of these symptoms that they're experiencing and get some support from other folks and have some of those kind of experiences before maybe they come through an access appointment. Because again, you can sign up for that without a referral, which I think is a pretty cool service that we're offering. I think one of the other things that I might wanna plug also is Let's Talk, especially because it's something that you can sign up with uh, so easy as clicking a link and filling out a form. There are Let's Talk sessions that are happening every day throughout the week, and they're confidential brief meetings with mental health professionals. They don't create records from going to them, so you don't have to worry about it being connected to any sort of medical record. They're confidential, and they can be really helpful too, and also a really quick way of getting connected with someone to even just talk about you know, what is going on. And they have some identity-specific Let's Talks also, right? Yes, they do. Uh, for example, I'm one of the providers for the Let's Talk that is for LGBTQ students. And I do Let's Talk at the Chicanx and Latinx um, Student Services or Students Studies. That is the name, CLS. Well, thank you so much, um, Jamie, for mentioning all of those resources um, uh, and for highlighting those specific options as well for students to consider um, uh, when they're thinking about individual counseling too. Um, uh, so how would you help us um, uh, or support a friend or a loved one um, uh, who may be experiencing depression? You know, I, I think that this is something that um, some folks have a lot of difficulty with because it feels like there should be a specific thing to do or a specific way to support or like a specific action that you need to take. And I think that one of the most important things to do when you think that maybe a friend or loved one is having some of those depressive symptoms is just that empathic listening, really just being able to listen to what's going on, hearing them out, validating their feelings and what they're going through, especially in a time when there's so much going on, just to be able to listen and have that person be able to talk about what they're feeling. Uh, being able to encourage that person to get the support they need and to be supportive of that um, that might look like encouraging folks to even download the Silver Cloud app. It could be encouraging folks to reach out to UHS or go to a Let's Talk session. And then kind of from there, a person can decide what kind of resources they feel like would be most appropriate for them. I think one of the things that's uh, more like anecdotal in terms of supporting friends and loved ones uh, who may be depressed, 
I think that for for some folks who are feeling depressed, you know, it's really difficult to make decisions and to have specific ideas about things that you might want to do. And so being able to reach out to that person and say like, hey, do you want to go do this specific activity with me? Do you want to go out and, you know, let's go to dinner or, you know, in a, a post-COVID or, you know, like you want to hang out in this particular way. I think that that can kind of help alleviate uh, some of the pressure of having to decide what to do, but also shows that like, hey, I'm interested in spending time with you and I want to support you and I want to be with you. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, and I appreciate also, you know, how you're mentioning checking in about basic needs, you know, like, hey, you know, let's go to dinner because sometimes, you know, um, uh, meals, getting their basic, basic needs met may change when someone is experiencing depression. Maybe they are perhaps like eating less um, or less frequently, or perhaps they are eating more. Um, uh, so those fluctuations also can be um, uh, impacting their mood and all of that. Um, uh, also, there's another resource that I always try to mention to my students. Um, uh, it's called the Student of Concern Report. Um, uh, that is something that um, uh, you can look up on the um, uh, university website um, uh, by just saying Student of Concern Report. And you can file that anonymously if you're concerned about a friend who may be struggling. And then that report will go to university um, folks, including mental health providers, um, uh, and then they'll reach out to connect with that student that is struggling to support them. And that's ultimately the goal, supporting that student that may be struggling. Thanks for putting that resource out there, Mary. All right. Um, well, so as we said, October is Depression Awareness Month. Um, why do you think it's important to have awareness months like this? I mean, I think we've kind of already talked a little bit about like the stigma associated with mental health and mental health treatment, but also this idea that like depression is a real thing that people experience and affects their daily lives. Because like I said before, I hear so many people saying, well, it shouldn't be this bad, or I should just be able to muscle through it. I should just be able to, and there's all these shoulds. And um, it, it can be really, really difficult to, you know, not engage in that kind of self-blame and this idea that, oh, I'm doing something wrong. And being able to really highlight that, no, there are some things that are happening that can make it really difficult to function. There are some things that make it really difficult to go about your normal daily life. And being able to just say, like, yeah, you are allowed to seek help for this, and there are supports for you in this. And if things don't feel good, well, let's get you connected to some resources that can help you feel better. It's not something that you have to go out alone, and it's not something to feel like you aren't doing enough because uh, I'm, we're trying. Agreed. Um, uh, so that, um, uh, what would be some good like self-care tips for folks who are experiencing the depression? So one of the things that I think is um, really difficult with self-care is this idea that we engage in self-care in order to be more productive later on. And I think kind of doing away with that idea and that just we deserve self-care because we deserve self-care because we are human beings who deserve nice things. Um, and to be able to engage in self-care without that kind of guilt or without that idea that, okay, if I'm doing this for myself now, then I have to do whatever later on. Being able to just do things that are nice for yourself that can look like you know when i when i think of self-care i think of like bath bombs which like 
my body <laughs> is too big to fit in a bath and I can't even use bath bombs. So like, that's not what self-care is for me. Self-care for me is like, I have weekly Dungeons and Dragons groups and like, I make sure that that is a priority in my life. And I love that. And I think it's so much fun. And it's a way for me to really engage with my friends in a new and cool way. And especially during COVID when like, we're not going out and meeting in public and we can meet online to play games together. And I think that that's one of the biggest things that I've seen from a lot of folks is really the struggle with trying to find things that are enjoyable that you can do that are leisure activities that feel feasible and safe in the time of COVID and really trying to make sure that you are engaging with your friends, not necessarily just like, you know, meeting up for web chats, but maybe that's also like playing games with one another over the internet or being engaged in a similar activity or even like, um, I think there are a bunch of video streaming platforms that are offering services to allow people to watch movies together remotely. And I think engaging in those things where you're like spending time with other people in a way that is engaging, that people are working together and doing things together. I think that's all super important. Um, but also I will say that self-care looks different for everybody. And so like, you know, the thing that I say when I think of self-care, that's like bath bombs, that's not what self-care is for me. So like, what is self-care for you and how do you go about doing that? Thank you for mentioning that because, you know, as you're saying that, I'm also thinking about then what is self-care for me? And one thing that I think that is really important as well is, for example, as a person of color um, at a predominantly white institution, predominantly white state, um, uh, finding community and connecting with people that perhaps, you know, look like me or are really strong allies and also um, uh, setting you know, more strict boundaries with people that perhaps are not necessarily as helpful or that are draining my energy or that I am constantly like perhaps having like a, a values battle with kind of thing. So, you know, those are okay too. And that's the beauty of the, you know, that individuality of our self-care plan. That leads us really nicely into what I would kind of like our podcast exercise today to look like. Today, we're just going to encourage you to take a few minutes to make a plan for how you're going to engage in meaningful self-care this week. This plan could include what activities you'd engage in, maybe who you would engage in those activities with, um, when you'll do it, how long you want to do it for, and really just trying to take some time for yourself. One thing for me for self-care has been actually zoning out and not paying attention to things because I will constantly be trying to find ways to fill my time. I will text someone. I will be scrolling on my phone, doom scrolling news articles. I will, you know, be doing all sorts of things. And I have found so much joy in just like making a cup of tea and sitting outside and like watching the wind blow on a tree. Like that's it. Completely blank mind. And it has been Right. <laughs> so kind of trying to make time to do those things. I don't know if other folks want to share. Casey, if you want to share anything, not to call you out, but. <laughs> yeah. No, my favorite thing as of late has been doing cross-stitch because I'm a nerd that way. Um, <laughs> I just find it very calming, something to do with my hands. It's you have to definitely have to pay attention as, as you're doing it. Um, so I appreciate that, like me time and I've previously had a bunch of like projects and things I've had to do and now I'm just doing it for fun for pleasure so it's been really nice so find some time to take care of yourselves folks write down a few ways in which you can do that this week that's our encouragement for you all right cool okay so feel free to tag us uh using hashtag connecting badgers on social media with any thoughts feedback or requests for topics questions that you might like us to answer 
Um, our next topic will be um, dating and domestic violence awareness month. So be on the lookout for that. Thanks for listening. And as a reminder, if you are struggling, you can always access our 24 hour crisis line for support, whether you are in Wisconsin or any other state by calling us at 608-265-5600 option number nine. Thanks for listening and take care. Bye everybody. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks again, Jamie. Everyone take care. Bye.